Good evening, everybody. Well, while we're waiting on our host, or part of our host, I'm part of it too. While we're waiting on them, I want to talk to you a little bit about a fundraiser that's rarely ever used. So uh, while, while we're getting everybody in and getting set up, I want to talk to you a little bit about the value of MMS. I know a lot of you know about it, but a lot of you down at the local level, have you ever thought about this, that if you're in a rural area, or like me, you're getting older and you have older people that we can't do some of the fundraisers we used to, if you can get a member to give $10 a month, and, and that way it goes five to the national, you can kick five back to your state affiliate or the, or the special interest affiliates of your choice, this is an excellent way to raise money with very little effort. If you really do the math, if you've got 300 members in your state and you've got 150 of them, just half, or even do 25%, and look at the numbers when you get home and really think about this thing as an excellent way to raise money. I've been a member of MMS since uh, the way we, when we changed it back several years ago and it's been very beneficial to our chapter. Uh, I know the Florida chapter is having a lot of success with it. And, uh, you know, no, it's not going to help you send everybody to the convention. But if you've got, you know, like I said, if you've got 300 members straight, statewide, 25% of them would be 75. Do the math, 75 times 5. And you can see what you can take in, you know, in a year's time. Do it over a year's time. Uh, and it's $10, just about all of us can afford $10 a month. So really think about this thing, and uh, when you get home, if, if you need to know about it, call me or one of the Dans, uh, you know, call, uh, call the Minneapolis office. Do whatever you need to do to make it start happening. But you go back to your state. You're, you're the ambassador for your states. You're the leaders. You're here. You're spending your time and your money to be here, and this is a great opportunity, folks. And there's very, very little effort got to be made. And, and unfortunately, we're not making any effort. We can tell. We, you know, raise about 100 grand a year. That's great. But 100 grand in the size organization that we have and, and knowing the numbers that some people give, because you can give more than 10. But, but we talk about the 10 because just about everybody can afford the 10. So you think about it. If you got some that give 25, oh, we got some that give 100, you know, so... It is just a great way to raise money and very little effort. And I, I, I specify that very little effort because looking at the numbers, we've got very no effort. So, you know, think about it. It's a good way to raise money. And guess what, folks? I've talked long enough. They're here. <laughs> so I'm on, you'll hear more from me. I'll be rambling around today. But right now I'm going to turn it over to Dan Spoon. Uh, thank you so much, David, and uh, thanks for the wonderful introduction. I'm going to now uh, turn it over to Chris Gray. Uh, what we uh, learned when we had our breakout sessions at the D.C. Leadership Conference, uh, quote, mid-year, uh, is we, we took some time during the president's meeting and broke out into two sessions, one on fundraising and development and one on membership and membership recruitment. And we captured lots of really good ideas during that session. And two of those that really rose to the top that people seemed to really want to learn more about, one was how at your state conventions do you encourage vendors to become convention sponsors? And what kind of revenue can that generate for your organization? 
The second topic that we got a lot of interest in was uh, a program that Don Coors and team do in, in Indiana, which concentrates on having the chapters identify uh, potential donors that they feel like they have a good relationship with, and then they do a direct mail campaign related to that. And both of those generated a lot of questions. So first up for us today is Chris Gray, the executive director of the Missouri Council of the Blind, to talk to us about what they do about for corporate uh, sponsorships at their convention. So let's give a big round of applause for Chris Gray. Well, thank you, Dan. Hello, everybody. Nice to be here. And, uh, you know, this, this is, uh, well, this will be our fourth year of finding corporate sponsors for the Missouri Council of the Blind Convention. Four years ago, a little over four years ago, I went to a, a boot camp on fundraising and got myself energized. I learned a lot that week and uh, just got invested more that week in fundraising. We, uh, we had done a few things kind of like ACB. We have a walk in Missouri. It's not very successful because of a variety of factors, but we do have one. There, there are things people do to raise money. Uh, we have raffles. Our affiliates have raffles and so forth. But I wanted to raise something more significant, you know, some, some real dollars for the organization. And I thought about ACB. Because ACB is our parent organization, and if, if, but we can do things that ACB does. We may do them differently, but I was noticing year by year the incredible increase in funding that was coming to us through Marjorie Beeman's work with convention sponsors. And I'm like, I'm no Marjorie Beeman, but I think I know how to go and get people to donate to the organization. At least I'll try. So we started off kind of like ACB. So I started off and I looked at ACB's fundraising <coughs> uh, literature. I talked to Marjorie and I told her what I was thinking about doing. I said, do you mind if I start with your letter and literature and so forth and, and, and model something on that? Well, no, she was delighted. And from time to time, I've bounced an idea off her or two. So there's no competition between an affiliate and ACB if you choose to do this kind of thing. Now, there are ways things probably you shouldn't do to avoid competition. I'll get to that in a moment. So I looked at the, the literature that ACB had, and I created a brochure for the Missouri Council of the Blind. I worked with our convention committee. Um, we, we felt like we shouldn't use the same, you know, ruby sponsor, diamond sponsor, yada, yada, yada. A lot of folks do that. They want to do something different. Well, there are a lot of different people in Missouri. You'll see this in a moment. They chose for our first year as uh, our sponsorship levels to use Missouri birds. Yes, Missouri birds. So we had to just start. Well, you know the top sponsorship had to be the Cardinal sponsor. <laughs> you got that, right? And we used uh, several other birds. We used a, uh, uh, no, our president, Denny Huff, used to joke with me about the buzzard level. <laughs> But we had five levels, 
and uh, the lowest level is the wood duck. And I don't even remember the name of some of the other birds. We're, do we're doing the birds again this year, by the way. So we, we used the birds for two years. <laughs> we used the birds for, for two years, and it was pretty successful. And, uh, oh, I, I got some sounds of each bird and put them onto our podcast once and stuff like that. We had fun with it. you got to have fun when you fundraise. You really do. If it isn't fun, it's not going to work. It's going to be a drudgery for you. So I, I, I did go to the trouble of going out and getting all the bird sounds. There's a, there's a uh, CD, about 10 CDs of Sounds of Missouri Birds. So I, I, I got that done. And uh, the third year, to follow, let you know all about the themes, we were in Kansas City. Oh, sorry, we were, we were in Jefferson City, the capital of, of uh, Missouri. And that year we used capital themes. Uh, the Supreme Court sponsor, the senator sponsor, things like that. And that was a lot of fun. People really enjoyed that. And, you know, uh, when you do this kind of sponsorship, people actually want to be a certain kind of sponsor. They don't want to be a representative sponsor. They want to be a senator sponsor. <laughs> and that was fun. So we had a little fun with that. We're back to the birds this year because in Kansas City we – we wanted to do fountains because Kansas City is a city of fountains. Never could find any appropriate uh, graphics. No, no good enough pictures of fountains to make it work. But one of the keys to making this work, I believe, is to have a very well put together, classy brochure. And the brochure shows all the levels You've got pictures that go along with them and everything. And uh, then, like ACB, but somewhat differently, but like ACB in a way, we give each sponsor something. Uh, what, so you want to be the top-level sponsor? You can have a meeting room for at least one day and hold one or more seminars about what you do, who you are, or what you want to sell. Every sponsor is on two poster boards that we have in different parts of the hotel, one in the convention hall and one uh, in the lobby. And so we have those poster boards, and we work with the sponsors, and they supply us the graphics. They supply us some text, trademark, uh, allowances, and things like that. Uh, we give them tickets to the banquet. So if you're one of the higher-level sponsors, you, the highest level gets 10 tickets. Next one gets eight, then six, then four. Our lowest-level sponsorship is a little different. It's a $100 sponsorship. And the $100 sponsors don't get a podcast made about them. They don't get, you know, to speak before the convention, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, because we want individuals to take those sponsorships or MCB affiliates. So they don't need those kind of perks, but they do get their name in the program. They do get their name mentioned during the convention, uh, during each session, just like ACB does. Now, I mentioned about podcasts. We, uh, the larger sponsors, do, sponsors uh, have podcasts where they appear. Uh, 
they can have an article in the forum, in the forum, <laughs> listen to me, in the Missouri Chronicle. <laughs> and uh, we also have an area on our website, moblind.org. And each sponsor has some text about them. And depending on what your level is, you get X number of months in the next calendar year from our convention. So we, we've thought up a pretty creative list of things that we can offer sponsors. Okay, so you've got your back end put together. What are they going to get? How are you going to tell them what they get? Uh, the website's raring to go to give it to them. Uh, you've got someone doing your podcast who is committed to do the sponsorships that, that get podcasts and all that. All that's at the back end. But now, it's interesting about actually approaching the sponsors. Um, first thing I do is email them a PDF of the brochure. <clears throat> and everybody who I email to, I also send a hard copy. Some people like hard copy. And so you, you hit them both ways. And within uh, a week or two, in the St. Louis area, I made it my business to visit those sponsors that I could get to without too much trouble. Lighthouse for the Blind. They're, they have been a $5,000 sponsor for two conventions. We had a hard time with $5,000. we have dropped the $5,000 to $3,500. That seems to work better in Missouri for our top-level sponsor. So you see, we're, we're a lot less money for each sponsorship than ACB. But we're only a state organization. We're, we're only going to get so much from each sponsor. So we have 3,500, 2,000, 1,500, sorry, 2,000, 1,000, 500, and 100. That seems to hit people in their sweet spot. So then I go to the guy who we buy insurance from. I'm like, Steve, I've never been in your office before. This sponsorship is something I wanted to come and talk to you about personally. And you know, that was good for me. It helped me establish a better relationship with our insurance agent. He had a lot of questions about, AC, about MCB, and uh, that's been true over and over and over again. So we go to our insurance guy. We go to the people who do the heating and cooling for our building. Uh, we go to the guy who does our pest control. He doesn't sponsor very often, but he has once or twice. Um, but we also approach the larger agencies. We approach Vanda because we help Vanda a lot. We do meetings in our building for Vanda. Vanda comes to our convention. So if they're a high-level sponsor, their booth is free. Um, and, and so you have those perks to give them. Um, we go to our local technology guy. Uh, I don't know if any of you in here know Nanotech. They're sort of a Midwest distributor. And uh, they, they're a sponsor. Uh, even Freedom Scientific sometimes will, will sponsor on behalf of or in conjunction with Nanotech. So we, we cross over a little bit into the spaces with, with ACB, but not in a way which has ever proven to be troublesome for, for either of us. In a nutshell, that's what we do. Uh, it's, it's about approaching people. Uh, it doesn't happen all by itself, though. I can make the visits. Uh, I can make the, the phone calls. I can 
pass out the brochures, but you have to follow up. And believe you me, if you don't, most of your sponsors will never show up. They don't mind if you follow up. Oh, I forgot. Or uh, I won't say who it is. One guy says, oh, yeah, I saw your brochure, but I threw it out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, how about if I send it to you an email? Let's talk about it right now. We did. It was friendly. And he became a uh, $1,500 sponsor in five minutes. But it took four contacts to make that happen. But they're contacts. They're not confrontations. You're also not begging. You're providing an opportunity for them because you give them things in return for them providing you sponsorship. It's all a, it's a balance. It's delicate. Uh, you have to create the right program. And every year we make some changes. We see what doesn't work, what does work, uh, and, and try and you know, just improve it as we go. Um, Dan's given me permission to, to take off in a little bit because I have some other conflicting things. But how about questions? Anybody have questions? Yeah. David's closest. And then I'll bring the mic to you so when, after he answers, man, just hold your hand up. Chris, uh, Dan Spoon put this idea in my head kind of, and actually Paul Edwards had done a white paper on rehab years ago. In the spirit of ACB wanting to help our affiliates and local chapters, would you be willing to do an instructional pamphlet or a white paper on this? I'd be happy to cooperate in, in that. I'd want to, well, sure, I, I will. Um, maybe one or two other people would help me do it. I'd want to uh, co you know, work with the, the board of ACB, and I'd like to uh, have Marjorie vet it for me, but sure. Uh, Chris Hunsinger from Pittsburgh, and my question is, how much of what you've been able to do in Missouri is as a result of your actually being an executive director and uh, being able to dedicate more time than many of our um, affiliates have for fundraising folks to do? Well, I do view this as, as part of my job, no doubt about it. Uh, but my job, unfortunately, has a lot of parts. <laughs> uh, I don't know if... I often ask myself, do I really have the right amount of time to put in? It does take time. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, yes, that does help. Whoever takes on the project has to do it knowing that they have just committed to a pretty serious investment in time. The contacts, the creating of the brochure, et cetera, et cetera. Tracking everything. I've got spreadsheets to track everything, uh, and that's important. And you know, I forgot the bottom line. I, I forgot to tell you, nobody asked yet, how much money has this made for MCB? It's all new money, so that's a great thing. And it's all real money. The cost is minimal. I mean, there's my time, but we don't count that because it's being paid anyway. But, you know, uh, we have raised as much as $17,000 in one state doing that. I'm pretty proud of that. 
I wish it was more. I believe it can be more. The reason it's not is probably because I have not had more time to work on people and areas of the state than the ones that are already, you know, providing funding through sponsorships. Dan. Thank you, Chris, and, and thanks to uh, us actually going to the, Leslie and I going to the Missouri Council of the Blind Convention uh, two or three years ago. We, we and also Tennessee's convention uh, back when uh, Dan and Brenda Dillon were doing a lot of work there. In Florida, we decided the same thing. This would be a really nice way to get some easy, quote unquote, easier money than having bake sales and raffles and all this type of stuff. And, and and it's amazing how it's uh, really uh, been a shot of energy for our convention. So this year, I believe we had, uh, let's see, three, four, six. We had 13 sponsorships uh, that totaled $11,000. 11 of those sponsorships were also, you know, we give them a free exhibit table. So they also exhibited in our exhibit hall. So we had 24 vendors in our exhibit hall, half of which were our sponsors. Uh, so um, I'd be curious, what we found that we, we didn't have some expertise in and we had to learn is we had to get our bookkeeper to learn, learn how to do a purchase order in some cases because these corporations want to, you know, they want you to send them a purchase order and then also an invoice. You know, we had to do some... We had to do in, a, in W-9. So we had to do some things we had not historically done to do business with these vendors. Um, but, but Chris, you know, give us an idea how many vendors you have. And, and the other thing we found, now that we're doing it for the third and fourth year, once you build up those relationships, it's a real easy call. You have that account manager. You know their name. You call and say, hey, Amanda, would Envision America like to sponsor again? Sure, put us down for a silver sponsorship. It's that easy sometimes. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, and, and you're so right about, about the mechanics of it. We're lucky. We, we have a retired accountant who does our accounting, and he's worked a lot in the nonprofit space throughout his career. He knew all about what we needed to do in terms of invoices and all that. And he he just jumped in there and said, I'll work with your office manager, and uh, you can do all those things, and she's got the tools. QuickBooks is set up to do it for you. Have at it. So I felt very, very lucky about that. Um, we have usually from 12 to 15 sponsors, and... Uh, as I say, they're, they're either people who work with us, who help us in various ways. Our accountant and our auditor are, are two of them. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, you can use those relationships. What was your, the other part of your question, Dan? Has it gotten easier once you've established oh. you have those ongoing relationships? You know, it's much easier, much easier. The first year, partly it was just me being nervous about it because I'd never done it before, and it was a new program for MCB. But, you know, once you do it, uh, a few people who didn't choose to join the first year as sponsors, the next year, they saw it wasn't a flash in the pan kind of thing. We were serious about it. And then they came on as sponsors. So, yeah, it does get easier year by year.
So um, I guess I would be curious, uh, Dan Spoon, I don't know if you're in this situation or not, um, not to disrespect any of what Chris has said, but for an aff affiliate that, that maybe doesn't have an executive director that's paid and is relying on volunteers, how have you been able to uh, get get this done um, and get those many sponsors you have, you know, when, let's face it, people have other things to do in their lives like work. Uh, sure, I, and they, they've kind of happened through different relationships, Ray. Um, you, you know, we, through our, ex, our executive directors, uh, not executive directors, but say executive committee, we've had some, so we, like in Florida, you'd, you'd be shocked to know, but we have, voting is a very hot topic in Florida. <laughs> so, so we have worked very hard we have worked very hard with ESNS Vote and with Democracy Live to, you know, help us bring about accessible voting that will stay in Florida. So as kind of what Chris was saying, it's a natural relationship. They need blind consumers who are out there advocating for accessible voting machines. And, you know, we need what they have a little bit. They helped us go lobby in Tallahassee to get the bill passed that we got passed this year. So in that collaborative relationship, they were more than uh, happy to come and be sponsors at our convention and help talk. But it, it, it's amazing. It's, it's such a win-win. Not only do you get them to sponsor, they come and hold workshops and, uh, uh, you know, are part of your panels, and they really add some expertise that you may not have in your constituency. So, so we've got some of those relationships We've got the, the normal technology ones. You know, we've got Envision America. Uh, we've got, um, I'm trying to think, um, uh, OrCam. You know, a few of those that come every year. Sprint uh, It was new this year. And then we started hitting, uh, like, the guide dog schools. So, like, um, uh, Southeastern Guide Dog School came and sponsored this year. Um, so if you kind of open your mind a little bit, it's amazing how many different vendors your membership does business with. And they're pretty excited to have a chance to come and meet, you know, a large group of blind people in their state at one time. So, uh, and, get, and, and get that expertise. So, we, we were actually shocked. And, 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 and just so you know, we were at 11,000 this year. The first year we did it, we were at 1,500 and we were thrilled because it was $1,500 we'd never had before. And then the next year it was 2,500, and the next year it was 5,000. We thought we'd died and gone to heaven. And then last year we did 11,000, and we don't know what to expect next year. So, yeah, so it, it, you grow it. You grow it, and you build that relationship, and then you go get the next one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, Chris, for being here t today, and thank you out there for attending the uh, RDC workshop. Two questions, quick questions. Um, I, I think you've already kind of said this, but I want to be sure. It's a good place to start with sponsorships with, even though Tennessee is a very, very small affiliate, we always have some exhibitors. Is, is that a good place to start maybe with exhibitors? And the other question, Chris, is costs, you, uh, uh, such as uh, brochures and podcasts, this type of thing. 
Yeah, I think <clears throat> exhibitors is, is a very good place to start. Exhibitors and any people with whom you do business as an organization. Now, that might not be very many in Tennessee or some other states. You know, it depends on, on your infrastructure and what you do. And we have a building, so we do business with more people just for that. Um, and, you know, just to highlight what Dan said, our exhibit area was dying four years ago. We hardly had, we were lucky if we could find three or four people to exhibit. Now we have to turn people away because it's gotten so big. So just, just to mention that. And Dan, your other question was about cost. Um, we probably spend four or five hundred dollars max on the brochure, and we're going to spend a lot less this year because we can do our own stuff like this now in-house, and we're doing more and more by email because people don't seem to necessarily want the print brochure that we've already established a relationship with. They're like, Chris, don't bother sending me this brochure. Give me a call. Send me a note. So that cost may go down. In terms of, of uh, podcasts and, and our phone line and so forth, we really don't calculate those costs as a part of this fundraiser. But I think they're minimal because we do podcasting already. And so we have the podcast service, Spreaker, already paid for. Um, it is by no means an expensive program. Well, I want to thank you for the opportunity. I hope that I've said a few things that are useful. And, uh, you know, I'm only a phone call away, 314-832-7172, and I'd be happy to, you know, answer your specific questions or if you get into this and hit a snag or just want to talk to somebody, give me a ring. Thank you again. Chris, thank you so much, uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> I'm sure our, our paths will cross at the next opportunity. <laughs> uh, next, we're going to hear from Don Coors from Indiana, who's going to talk to us about their unique direct mail campaign in Indiana. All right, here's Don. Good afternoon. I'm... Uh, I want to thank you for coming, and I hope what I have to say is of some interest. One of the challenges that of any, any organization that I've belonged to, whether it be a for-profit or not-for-profit, it's easier to spend money than it is to raise money. And I, I think if, if your organization doesn't have that challenge, you're different than all the rest of us. One of our major sources of income in Indiana was originally from car sales. Well, the tax department took care of that for us in, in a big way. Several years ago at a conference that I was at, and I don't know what the conference was, somebody suggested maybe if you do a selective direct mail, you will get a fairly good return. And so at least 12 years ago, or maybe 13 or 14, I proposed to our state chapter that we consider doing that 
and that the board should approve it as well as approve how much was going to remain with the state chapter and how we would give some money to the local chapter. So it was decided that we would, the state chapter would retain 60% of what we took in. The local chapter would get 40% of the donations if they turn names of individuals into us, uh, prospective donors who could give, and if they returned a pledge, they would get 40% of that pledge. The state chapter would receive 60%. Now, keeping in mind that the state chapter was preparing the letters, getting everything together, covering the cost of mailing, covering the cost of printing. So the local chapter has no dollars, no dollars whatsoever involved, no labor involved. All they do is submit good names and they get rewarded if they have good names who turn in money. As I said, we've done it for probably 12 or 13 years. Um, I've been the one who has been responsible for gathering the names, getting the letters together, putting a brochure in the letter, also putting a list of all the board members because I think it's very important that recipients of the letters need to know who's on the board and what city and where, where they live. This year, one of our members decided that we would enhance that by having a print braille Christmas card in the letter. And we would enclose the letter and the board uh, of directors. And we also include a return address envelope, no stamp, because I've been told that it, that doesn't really make much of a difference on return anyhow. So we've never enclosed a, a self-addressed stamped envelope, but always a pre-addressed envelope so that they don't have to worry about copying address onto an envelope and returning it to you. Uh, one of the... and. And in the 12 to 13 years that we've had, the average return per uh, return, well, we, we receive about a 25 to 30% return on mailings, which is high. Our average, our average return over the last six years has been $88 per person. Now, one of the now I must admit, the last not this year but the two years prior to that time, and I think this is something to think about. We have uh, one individual who has actually, and I know the person because they're off of uh, Jerry and my list of donors, is over seventy. And I know in both cases that his check came from a retirement account. So he was making a contribution out of his required minimum distribution, which, you know, and uh, one year he gave us $1,500. And, of course, now 
that that has a substantial boost in your average. But consistently, we've had several members who have given us $100 every year. Consistently, we have one one gentleman who we've known for years uh, has a commercial plating company, and uh, his check comes from the company, so uh, not personally, but so it's been very successful. But the real there are two challenges. One is to have members being willing to give you good names, not just names, good names of people who can afford to give and who you can maybe follow up on who will be willing to give and do give. We only do it in uh, late November, early December. We only do one mailing a year. We don't do follow-up mailings. I know that's been raised, but I, I think sometimes, um, you know, if you're like me, you may get 20 mailings a year from the same outfit. Are you going to give 20 times? Well, you might. I don't. <laughs> so we only do it once, but for the last several years, this probably this has been our major source of funding. And for some local chapters, especially our Indianapolis chapter, it has been our largest donor. Now, granted, uh, the Indianapolis chapter has submitted names which have been a better return on the re on the mailings than some of the other individuals that are on the list. But you just have to keep working on it. But you do need good names of people. Don't just give me names of people who want to give or who you know about. Give me names of people who you know financially can afford to give and you will convince them by your letter and your brochure and board of directors that it's a worthy cause. You do need to, and, and we do clearly indicate that we are 501c3 and give them our 501c3 number. And I think that's also very important. It, it probably isn't as important now as it was three or four years ago because of tax purposes, but it's still important, I think. So that's a little bit of a summary. I think our state chapter is going to continue to do it. I can't believe that we won't. But you never know unless somebody gives us a million dollars. All right. Uh, now, uh, are there any questions for Don? And uh, David's going to ask a question, and then he'll help uh, run the mic. Don, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Chris. Would you be willing to do a white paper or, or a pamphlet so we can share this? Okay, that's great. Okay. Uh, hand. I'm seeing you, Naomi. And then I'll come back to you, Chris, after Naomi. Okay, and okay, and you're who? Terry. Okay, it's going to be Naomi, Chris, and Terry, and that's going to be our three questions for done. Okay, Don, um, and this has been a uh, question of mine all along. We have members that don't have a lot of their circle of friends are not 
going to be the people that you're looking for. And this has been something that has concerned me even on our board. Um, these are people who um, really don't have those types of connections, okay? And, you know, I'm not saying it to, you know, I'm not saying it in a derogatory way. I'm just saying it as a fact. So, you know, what, you know, what would you suggest? Well, as, as, as members of an organization, I think you have to kind of suggest to them that, and, and some of us do have potentially more resources than others, and I think that's always a challenge. So, uh, but I think we continually need to search out and see if there might be people who might be willing to give. And, you know, uh, not everybody gives that much. Like, you know, sometimes we'll get $10, $15, $20. And I think every gift is important to the organization. But I think that is a real challenge. Don has done this for us for many years, and he's very good at it. But I, one other thing, too, if you feel comfortable doing this, I mean, I actually submitted my oral surgeon's name. I mean, everybody's got doctors. Veter I, I submitted my veterinarian's name. Um, so, you know, you can also kind of reach beyond just your immediate circle of friendship. And um, so your ophthalmologist, whoever, you know, people like that. Okay, the next question is going to come from Chris. Okay, um, so my question is, what is the difference between the brochure and the letter? Is one a beg and one a showing people what we accomplish? We have a, in Indiana, we have a membership brochure that we use to try to gather members. But it talks about the state chapter and, and the local chapters and some guidelines. But in the letter, we talk about, we expand on that and refer them to the brochure. We also now are you referring them back to our website for further information. Okay, and our last question, I'm coming back. My question would be, you know, what does the letter actually entail? And if we were able to get um, a template of the letter to formulate it for our own, you know, affiliate. You know, we could always share a, a template of the letter that we've used and try to, in, you know, and share it. And certainly my email address is Don Coors, D-O-N-K-O-O-R-S, 
all small letters, one word, at AOL.com. It's Don, D-O-N, Coors, K-O-O-R-S, at AOL.com. All right, all right. Now, you know I told them I was all right. Look, look what it makes you look like, David. I mean, I'm, but anyway, one quick question for Don. This is Dan Dillon. You know, I've been involved with fundraising for years. And what I have found is some of the poorest people are the ones that actually donate. So uh, I, I guess, Don, you just, you just take your chances or, uh, and just send the, send the letters out to everybody or do you have some kind of plan as to, you know, how you determine the people you really feel are committed enough to, to donate? The, the names that Jerry and I have submitted have been longtime friends that we've known for years who live in the neighborhood who we know financially can afford to give. Now, that's how we determined our list. And... We originally started out with some names and mailed letters three or four years in a row and did not get a response. We dropped those people because they may have other priorities, and that's fair. We all have our own priorities as to what we would like to help support with making contributions to it. But, but most of the people that we've submitted have known us for years and years because, very frankly, we've lived in the same neighborhood for 57 years. And, and most, all these people probably have known us for at least 40 years. And uh, I would also say that they were probably all, uh, they weren't laboring class people making 12 and $13 an hour. And I... I you know, from our standpoint, that's been very important. All right. Thank you so much, Don. All right. We, we tried to be a little more diverse today and have a lady here to talk with you. Unfortunately, she didn't get to make it. So we got the next best thing, I believe. So here to talk about our final fundraiser of uh, that takes place down in Florida is Dan Spoon, and then we'll take questions, and then we'll have your involvement after that. Uh, thank you, David. And uh, Sheila Young, our Florida Council of the Blind uh, president, sends her regards. She had, uh, she has, she's on the Eastman tour, uh, house tour today, so didn't feel like she would make it back in time to present. But uh, in Florida, we've. Uh, we, we don't come up with very many new ideas. We just steal everybody else's. And so, and it's worked out pretty well for us so far. So uh, when we got started seven or eight years ago uh, with, our, with our new fundraising committee, uh, American Council of Blind was, was doing the monthly monetary support program, MMS, and they were also in about the third or fourth year of the ACB walk. And so 
our executive committee got together and we agreed that these were two areas that, that we could reach out to our membership and try to develop a fundraising program around. At that point in time, we had two members uh, of the monthly monetary support program in Florida and we got $37.50 every quarter. So it wasn't really very much of a fundraiser for us. And we kind of took the approach that we needed to make it part of our convention. So again, kind of copying after ACB, we, uh, we put a table in our exhibit hall. We asked our uh, president to talk up the monthly monetary support program uh, at our convention events, you know, our business meetings, our board meetings. We used our newsletter to promote the monthly monetary support program. And then we invested the first year to get everybody's attention. This was a few years ago. So we gave, uh, you know, an, an iPhone, uh, an iPhone 6S, I believe it was, uh, brand new uh, that we bought from Apple. Uh, we gave it away as a grand prize for anybody who enrolled at the uh, convention that year for a minimum of $10 uh, to participate in the monthly monetary support program. And it was a drawing. It was a drawing. We didn't give everybody one. We had a drawing. One lucky, one lucky winner. One lucky winner. So that, that first year, we got 15 people at the convention to join the monthly monetary support program because they were rarely interested in that brand new iPhone 6S. It cost us like five, six hundred dollars, I think, yeah, for that. But uh, by the time we finished that campaign, we had, um, I think our first check that came in there was, uh, for the first quarter, was uh, somewhere around $500 for our first quarter. So when a quarter or two, we paid for, we paid for the iPhone. And what we did, we kind of established that, you know, Six, seven, eight years ago when we got started, the MMS program, at least in Florida, had a lot of bad connotations with NFB and the, I don't know, PAL program or PAC program or whatever they called it. And, and, and a lot of people were like, we're not NFB and we're not going to do this stuff. You know, we went through a lot of those discussions. And some people said, I will not join MMS. And we said, that's fine. You don't, you don't have to. Uh, but over time, everyone saw that we weren't, we weren't hard selling this. We weren't pushing it on anybody. It was really their volunteer choice to, to join, but we really promoted it. So then the second year, we, didn't, we lowered our prize a little bit. We, we went down to a Victor Stream, which was still a pretty nice prize. But we also did a thing where we gave a $100 target card to anybody who had stayed at not, again, a drawing. Each of these are drawings. We're not giving it to each individual. But we, we did a $100 drawing. Even if you didn't up your MMS pledge, a $100 target card for just being a good FCB member and participating in the program all year long, not doing it for one month or two months and then dropping out. And so we kind of again, built it up to a few more members. Well, now we're in about our sixth or seventh year of doing it. We have 27 members of the MMS program. People have really kind of drank the Kool-Aid and see how easy it is as a fundraiser for our organization. So 
what we've tried to communicate, some people can give of their time. They have time. They may not have talent and treasure, but they have time. Other people have talent, and they can give of their talent. Some people have treasure, <laughs> but they don't have a lot of time, and they don't have a lot of talent. So this is a way for them to participate in the Florida Council of the Blind. So now we are at the point where we are receiving about a $1,500 check every quarter. So this year we have budgeted, I think, $5,500 for Florida Council of the Blind for the MMS program. And it's money that we don't have to work real hard. It, you know what I mean? I mean, you still have to keep promoting and doing all that. But we're not out there transactionally selling things to earn that $5,500 a year. It comes to us, and, and the, the Minneapolis office does all of the work. They're the ones that if a card expires, they contact the person. If, uh, you know, uh, we don't ever know how much anybody gives because that's part of the whole policy with the American Council of the Blind. What they will provide us, uh, me as the coordinator for MMS in Florida, they provide me a list at the end of the year of just who's a current member so I can do my drawing. Not any amount or anything like that, but they do provide me the list uh, so we can draw for the $100 target card. Uh, but, you know, it's been pretty exciting. And, and I'll, I'll be totally honest with you, we're kind of hitting a plateau now. You know, we're not, you know, the people who this program kind of appeals to, it appeals to. And we're kind of, we're, we're going up maybe a little, you know, hundred, couple hundred dollars a year, but it's kind of plateaued, but it's not a bad plateau, you know. So, so that, that's a line item we can count on on our budget every year. Like I said, we put $5,500 in the budget, and we feel pretty good we're going to get the money. Um, the second program is the WALK program, and thank uh, goodness for Donna Brown and all her team and what they do for the ACB WALK. But again, we talked about a walk, but in Florida, it's a big, large, laid out state. You know, where are you going to have a walk in Orlando, Pensacola, Miami? You know, it'd be just as hard for people to get a walk in, to a walk in Florida as it is to get to a walk at the National Convention almost. And so, again, what we decided to do was piggyback on what ACB already offered us, which was an, a website, administrators to do the walk for us, all we had to do, kind of like what Don was saying, was get the emails out there and solicit donors. And so, uh, again, we got started with that six or seven years ago, and we formed our Florida Hurricanes walk team. Uh, the first year, I think we did $1,500, and we were really thrilled, and that was $750, half of that that came back to Florida. And we built that up and built that up, and our president, Jim Crott, about the third or fourth year in, you know, he was a retired lawyer from Miami with a lot of contacts, and Jim said, you've convinced me, I'm in. I've drank the Kool-Aid. I'm going to write out to all of my friends. And boy, does Jim have friends. And so, uh, you know, this year, our goal for the walk is $27,000 for our team. I think we'll get there. We're, I think, at 26000 right now. We've got a couple pledges that haven't come in. You'll... I'm not saying there's not a Jim Crott in every affiliate. Don't get me wrong there. But I think a lot of the affiliates that have kind of taken into doing the walk year over year, again, it's, you know, if you, if you raise $2,000, that's $1,000 that comes back to your affiliate that you don't have to work that hard at. There's no expenses to this. It's simply a matter of asking. 
And what we've been shocked by, kind of what Don was talking, if you just take your email list and mail out, your dentist will give you money. Your, <laughs> the neighbor down the road will give you money. Your little old aunt in uh, you know, Sasquatchewan will give you money. It's kind of funny. And, and when those pledges come in, it's like a high-five moment. You get a rush, you know. There's been another donation to the Florida Hurricanes. I know we run over the computer and see what it is, you know. And so uh, it, it's exciting. Uh, a lot of our chapters now give, uh, you know, uh, as part of their contribution to FCB. And, again, that's now, you know, we, we budget that as $9,000 a year for our revenue from, from our walk proceeds. And so uh, these are programs that, yeah, in the long run they help ACB some, and that's a good thing. It's a, that's, I'm not going to minimize that at all. That's a really nice thing. But they have become an integral part of our revenue. So our, our three biggest revenue items, uh, if we don't happen to get real lucky and get a bequest, uh, are our sponsorships, our walk, and our MMS program that we can count on on a year-in and year-out basis. So thank you. Any questions? <laughs> David says it's my last question of the year. Um, <clears throat> but I just, I, actually, it's a comment. I just wanted to say, for those of you sitting there listening to Dan and saying, oh, you know, we don't have anybody in our affiliate that can has all those friends and get all this money. Illinois, where we, we have raised, usually it's up around $1,000 a year from the walk, just from people, just, and just from, just from like two or three of us participating. You send it, like Dan said, you send it to your email list. You, you get, get some approval from your employer, but, you know, post it at work and, you know, and stuff like that. Just doing that, we have been able to raise like around $1,000. And, and what I always say about fundraising, it's $1,000 you didn't have before. Questions? Just to check on my comprehension. Um, with the fundraiser, because I, I want to go back to my chapter and kind of do a little highlight on the convention. And I think the main thing what I'll talk about is the fundraising. So there's different options. You can, um, see, I just want to make sure I comprehend it right. Um, option one is um, like ask around. You could ask, ask your doctor or your lawyer or your merchant or your chief to kind of chip in to do that. That's one choice, right? And then the other choice um, how do you go about get, getting brochures? And you have to get people to get brochures. See, I, I didn't understand that. Okay, just a second. Let's let's see if we can. You want me to take a stab at how to get brochures? Okay. The plan is is to when you have an issue like this. I'm not telling you we're we're going to do it at the national. What, what we're going to do is be your assistant. And that's going to be a great thing for Cindy. Cindy's going to have resources. Uh, she's going to send out questions like that to Dan, me, you know, different ones. And what we hope to do is eventually begin to build a library of this stuff that you can take and edit to fit your particular situation. And then you just have it printed, you know, at a local printer or something like that for yourself, you know. 
MMS, if you've got a small chopper, is still your best bet because it, yeah. Yeah, MMS is, is the less struggle of any of it. If you go there, the number I gave you earlier, I want to give you the answer to the question I ask you. I ask you if you had 300 members and you got 75 to sign on and they each gave $10 a piece, how much could your chapter get? Of course, $5 would go to the national and it's $4,500. That's in a year. So it, it's just that simple, folks. It's, it's right. Now, what did you have a question? I have a comment. Um, okay. Oops. Oh, there we go. Okay. Can you hear me now? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I belong to another organization, and what we did around holiday time was we went to Barnes and Noble and wrapped books, and we raised over three hundred dollars that day. I mean, but. We wrapped, we wrapped books. People bought books and they brought them to us for Christmas or holiday, you know, whatever. And, um, and we raised, you know, well, during the day, we just raised like $300, $400. Yeah. I mean, every little bit helps. Yeah. Here you go. Okay. One last question for Dan. Okay, now, how did we say we were going to do the last part? I think if they just, uh, if there's people starting to do it, if they have any ideas of how okay. they could bring about the change, to Yeah, and we did this back in, in the winter at the uh, leadership conference and legislative. We had a great response. That's how you had done here today. Um, we got some new ideas. So has anybody got an idea? Let me get this lady over here, right? She hadn't had a chance yet. No, wait a minute. One at the ten, no, when I come to you, that's when you get to talk. <laughs> Honey, I need you to come to the right down that far. Okay. You, you shouldn't touch him. <laughs> you call me right. I know. Honest mistake. Um, this is Deborah Woodall from Ohio. Uh, I wanted to talk about something that our local affiliate does, our local chapter. We have a quarter auction every year. And I don't know if anybody has ever been to a quarter auction, but you haven't had fun till you've been to a quarter auction. Um, it does take some effort on the fundraising committee's part. Um, we have a, uh, a letter with our 501c3 um, on it and um, telling about our chapter, telling about our, what our chapter does, uh, what our mission statement is. Um, and we go to businesses and ask for donations. And it could be a beauty shop. It could be a barber shop. It could be a tractor supply company. It could be a veterinarian. It could be anybody that has a retail business. And even those people who do not have a retail business will give. And um, we set up this uh, auction 
you know, one night. And when you come into the auction, you buy a paddle. The paddle's a dollar. And it has a number on it. On a corresponding poker chip that's connected to this paddle is the same number. So when you, when you buy your paddle, they take the poker chip off, put it in a bin. And when we start the auction, what will happen is the person will say, this item coming up is a $25 gift card to Target. And if you want to bid on that, you drop a quarter into a bucket that somebody's passing around. And you hold up your paddle. Okay, if they pull out the poker chip with your number on it, you get that item. You get that $25 um, Target card. It's cost you a quarter. Okay. And you can walk out of there with a lot of stuff or you can walk out of there with nothing, you know. It just, ha it just happens that way. But it is so exciting. It's something like playing bingo, but you don't have to see. It's great for the blind community. Um, I do this for our local fire department auxiliary plus our local uh, Cincinnati chapter of ACB. And um, so I've got to plan two of these a year. And it's fun. And I, I try to go to different businesses for each one. Getting some people to go out and collect items is like pulling teeth. Some people are just not into begging, <laughs> asking, begging, anything you want to say, okay? So that leaves a lot of the work up to the fundraising chair, chairperson and um, hopefully that committee. Um, but I'm telling you, it works. Okay, one night. This is, okay, this is our local fire department auxiliary. Just had ours in June. We had, uh, it started at 6 o'clock. We ended at 9 we made over $1,100. Um, the food we gave, um, around 100 Around 100 Okay, I'm sorry. But anyway, um, okay, I was going to say, you can either do your food or you can give it to another organization which we shared it with a, a youth uh, softball uh, group, which they made over $350 that night. So it was a win-win situation. And um, thank you. And I'll, if anybody else has got any questions about it, they can see me afterwards. I'm Deborah Woodall from Ohio. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, I really like her. She's she's doing a wonderful job back here. <laughs> here you go, Ray. Uh, real quick, no problem. Uh, I remember you. R real real quick, uh, the Illinois Council of the Blind for the uh, something like that. <laughs> the Illinois Council of the Blind for about every other year for the last few years, we've held a dinner dance, 
and we and we're fortunate we're fortunate that we've we've hooked up with somebody who organizes these and has a lot of contacts. So you may not have someone like that, but we have. And what we do is it's held at a hotel, and we charge um, $75 a ticket, and that includes open bar, which I like, and um, your food. And then you uh, have the auction. You know, we, have a, we have a silent auction. We do a 50-50 raffle. And you, now, there's work. This is work. Um, the, the good thing is the gal that kind of knows how to organize these things also has a lot of contacts that can help get stuff. Um, the, now last year we made, um, 2000, I believe, but a couple of years before that we got Vanda to underwrite it and we made about $4,000. So if you're going to do that kind of thing, that would be the key thing to do is to get somebody to get a sponsor to underwrite, you know, all or part of the cost of it and you'll make a little bit more money. The way you want to do it is you get the dinner paid for and everything you make on the auction and the 50-50 and things like that, that's gravy. Okay, before we go to another one, I've got a question to ask, and I want to give it a show of hands here. Uh, these sessions have been very successful. How many of you, if we put together a fundraiser list, email list, would participate? Show of hands, please. Stick them up high. A fundraiser list where you talked about fundraising. That, yeah, it'd be an email list, and that's all you would talk about. Yeah, it would be, but it would not have a lot of traffic because we would res restrict it strictly to fundraising, not how your puppy is. <laughs> yeah, I want to I get an idea. If, if you had the opportunity, would you do it? Yeah, just raise your hands. Okay, thanks. So it, it's the majority, isn't it, Jolene? Yes, okay. All right, now, does someone else want to tell us about a fundraiser? Okay, I see you. Here you are. Thank you. I'm Beth Corley from Nashville, Tennessee, and <clears throat> the last three years we have had a trivia night, which has been a huge success, so much that people in Nashville are saying, when y'all going to have that trivia night again? And that's a great selling <laughs> of, of, of idea but anyway we have a trivia night we hire a trivia host and he is amazing he's like from a um, TV game show but he's great keeps it going we usually have oh sometimes some music before the thing but we also have a silent auction uh, we have lots of door prizes to give to the people we have tables of six and um, each seat is $25, $100 a table. Uh, is that right, Dan? $150, I'm sorry. Oh, I was giving you a bargain. And um, it is wonderful. The questions are great. People get so excited. The silent auction is so exciting. And it has just been a great thing. We give out goodie bags to each person that comes because uh, there are so many door prizes and so much fun. They're going to get their money's worth, but we want to be sure they get something at least to take home with them. So we make it fun. We even even have costumes going around, people in costumes going around. We have people to donate food. We have chicken wings donated, vegetable trays, chips, everything you can imagine. So they have lots of food. We have a, 
uh, cash bar, but we give them a free drink in their in their goodie bag. And um, we have raised $4,000 each year. So it is one night. It's a lot of hard work to prepare, but boy, is it fun. The people love it and are... It won't be hard to sell tickets this year because everybody's wanting to go. October the 18th. <laughs> please come. Please come. New Year's waiting until after I left from up there. Okay, anybody else? That, that, that'll happen if it happens after convention. And uh, we'll start putting the word out on the list, the different lists that we have. Yeah, it'll, it'll, come, it'll come from RDC. I'm correct on that, ain't I, Dan? It, if, if we set up a fundraiser list, it'll come through RDC, correct? Okay. How'd you want to close it out? All right, well, thank you all so much for coming this afternoon. Thanks for ch uh, sharing your wonderful ideas. Uh, let's keep this going. This is not the end of the conversation, but the beginning of the conversation. I really like the idea of collecting an email lift serve. So thank you all for coming, and uh, continue to enjoy the convention. Thank you so much. Thanks to uh, David for being our mic runner and Joe Lynn for helping. Thanks so much.